strong values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, welcome to the show. Bottom of this hour at 935, Mark Victor, Libertarian candidate for United States Senate, will join us. We'll talk about his campaign for the Senate. I'll remind you now, if you want to go to KTAR.com slash Arizona Votes, it is where we have all of the interviews we've done at the radio station, everyone, what we've done with candidates to help you be a more informed voter. It really is a great resource, so I hope you'll check it out. We'll talk with Mark Victor, bottom of the hour. Um, how bad would a rail strike be in the fragile economy we have? It would be a disaster. Well, there has been some negotiations that have gone on. They averted a strike a few weeks ago, but it has come back. So it's another thing to take a look at in the economy and what's happening. The policies of of the government, whether it's local or state, and, and this is where um, we see a lot of these things happening is that it, from the local and state level on top of the federal government. So this is more about a policy and an I- ideology than it is just about one person and their policies. But if you look at places like New York, who had a record number of wealthy people leave that state and go to Florida, Florida is flourishing. Now, you can – and I know that when it comes to politics, we all choose sides. It's so funny. If you are a if you are a Cleveland Browns fan, you hate the Baltimore Ravens. That's just the way it is. Or the Pittsburgh Steelers, the rivalry in that division, uh, if you're a sports fan. Um, I, I realized that I had become an Arizona boy. I've been here almost 28 years when I realized I just I can't I really don't like anything in California. No offense. I'm not a Dodgers fan. Certainly not a Lakers fan. Um, I don't like the 49ers. And I thought, wow, you know, I really have come from, you know, there's a there's a bit of a rivalry there being a Miami hurricane. I'm not a fan of Ohio State football. Sorry. Sorry, OHIO, I'm not a big fan. Those rivalries exist. You choose sides. You see nobility and goodness in your team. I get it all the time being a Miami Hurricanes fan. I get it from people that want to call it thug you, and they send me all the stories about the criminals. And then what I have to do is do a do a search engine search and say, ah, uh, here's your school and some of your records, meaning there's plenty of it to go around. So this isn't about choosing sides, although you know where I stand. But it is also about results. And when you have when you have the results on your side, you should be explaining them to undecided voters and people out there. What is happening in this country right now when you look at places like New York where wealthy people are fleeing, California, wealthy people and companies are fleeing, and where are they landing? Places like Nevada and Arizona and Texas and Florida, which have either a very, very low state income tax or none at all. Why? Because they flourish there. Now, the states make their tax dollars in other ways. There's no doubt about it. But you bring in, we have, we've always lived by the ideology that you subsidize what you want more of and you tax what you want less of. Why are we taxing the rich people, the job creators and the wealthy companies out of our areas? That's what we should be asking ourselves. That's the biggest question to be asked. Because if you look at our economy right now, the the United States Treasury has been collecting record revenue. Now, I do I predict in the next year that's going to change and it's going to change because revenue is going to drop because they are slowing the economy down. So tax revenue into the Treasury is going to slow down. I believe that to be true. And it's going to slow down by design. Because they have to slow the economy down to try to drop inflation. But when you look at how the economy has been booming and why, if you look at some of the things that were done where uh, I I think in the interest of fairness, but it moved our economy forward for most people. It's never 100 percent of the people, but lower income people were seeing better results in growth. That to me is what we should be doing. So the reason why I bring this up is because the president is getting crushed 
in polls when it comes to the economy. The vast majority of Americans, including independent voters, which I think is the most important demographic when you're talking about elections, because they are not necessarily sold out to one party or another, but they are results-oriented, are saying that they do not trust this administration and its policies, nor do they trust Nancy Pelosi or Chuck Schumer with the economy. That doesn't mean that they love Republicans. That just means that where we're headed, the direction we're going is not what they trust. So now there is a new wrinkle. They have they can no longer hide and say that there's not trouble. Now, this is anybody would do this, by the way. The messaging matters. There's a reason why you message when you're the administration. If it was like during the Bush administration and everyone knows that listens to this show, I was a volunteer on the Bush campaign. I traveled around the country um, on behalf of and when I say on behalf of it's not like he personally sent me, but I traveled around the country speaking on behalf of the Bush campaign. I was an advocate for George W. Bush. But everybody knows at the end of that, the messaging about how bad the economy had gone and the and the real estate bubble bursting, there was messaging that it wasn't as bad as it really was. Everybody does it. So I'm not faulting them for that. But here's what's funny. Now the message is, yeah, it's bad right now, but Republicans would make it worse. I mean, that's honestly how they're messaging this. That Republicans would destroy the economy. So I want you to hear the White House press secretary. Um, This was not a good moment for her. I want you to understand the starts and stops and the staggering trying to get this point across. It was not only ill-conceived, it was not stated well at all. And, you know, it is it is um, it is, you know, it is not uh, it is a it is, you know, it is reckless. It is playing a (laughs) reckless game with our economic with our economy. Oh, I'm 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 going to get in trouble for this one. What that reminded me of was, does anybody remember the old cartoon Porky Pig? That's what it sounded like. Yeah, but that and. They just have no answers. And I understand being caught between a rock and a hard place. You're getting cornered. I get it. You're trying to salvage everything you can in a midterm election that you think is going to be a disaster. But from the beginning, from the beginning, I have been saying, and so have many others, that when you talk about messaging, it matters. I just had this conversation with a group of people last night, um, and I don't have any idea where all of their politics are. But we were talking about communicators. We were talking about people's ability to communicate. And uh, somebody brought up former President Obama and what a great communicator he was. There's no doubt about that. The hope and change message and the way he was able to rally a country to that message, whether you agree with how it turned out or not, you have to give someone credit for the way they're able to speak to people. And when you do that, when you speak to Americans and not just Republicans or Democrats or independents or gay people or straight people or black people or white people, when you speak to people – It resonates. Bill Clinton, an amazing communicator. Same thing. Ronald Reagan, the great communicator. People that were able to communicate and connect with people. They just don't have this in this administration. They they don't have it at all. And they have been denying any problems all along while people are getting hungry, while people are lining up to get food boxes that have never been in need of their lives. They're saying nothing's wrong. We're not in a recession. We're not even going to get close to a recession. Well, we might get a tiny, tiny recession, but it's not going to be a big deal. All of these things they keep saying, nothing is wrong, nothing is wrong, nothing is wrong. Now they can't do anything but admit something's wrong, and the best they can say is, you think it's bad now, elect Republicans, it'll get worse. It is the worst messaging I have ever heard. Could you imagine a restaurant saying, 
nah, our food's not that good. But don't eat across the street. That'll make you sick. That's not quite a, that's not a very good PR campaign. And that's where we've, we've come to. That's what's happening right now. In a moment, uh, an update. We talked yesterday about the city of surprise and sex trafficking, human trafficking. Well, now it's the city of Phoenix. We're going to talk crime and punishment and more despicable behavior coming up here in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. I think we're going to start uh, using the word policy a lot more in this show, as if I don't use it enough. Um, it is about policy. Leadership matters. When you have uh, – you listen to sheriffs, and, and a sheriff is in a unique position across the country because it's an elected office. And so they answer to the people only. They don't answer to bureaucrats and politicians. I'm not saying that in a bad way. I just mean a chief of police answers to city management or town management. And so there is more of a politically correct, you are my boss, I have to watch what I say kind of an attitude with a police chief versus a sheriff who's elected by the people and his answers to the people and is free to speak their mind. A lot of the sheriffs in Florida, especially and most recently, you've heard me um, bring on uh, Sheriff Marcino from Lee County. I grew up in Lee County. And for full disclosure, he's my brother's boss. My brother is a captain in that sheriff's office. And uh, uh, Sheriff Marcino has been very outspoken about crime and punishment and has made very emphatic statements in light of Hurricane Ian and how it's devastated southwest Florida and what will happen to people if they loot or steal the people in their worst hour. And when you have somebody in leadership that sets that kind of a tone, that we will not tolerate this behavior, um, it it resonates with the agency. And uh, we also know that prosecutorial power and and the the, uh, willingness to prosecute and aggressively prosecute cases matters. I bring that up for two reasons. Number one, another story of sex trafficking here in the Valley. Officials arrest 16 suspects in an Arizona child sex crimes and human trafficking. Detectives pose as minors online for weeks and conversed with suspects. This is uh, the Phoenix Police Department. Um, according to the Phoenix Police, the department coordinated with other law enforcement agencies for Operation Tangled Web, an undercover operation targeting the demand for child sex crimes and human trafficking. Um, the suspe- suspects allegedly solicited and or brokered deals for various sex acts and were subsequently arrested, according to the story. Um and it shows the 16 suspects that have been arrested in connection with this. The Phoenix Police Department conducts these operations uh, with our local, state, and federal partners in a continuous effort to reduce the demand that fuels child sex trafficking and exploitation of children in our community. They have, the following suspects have solicited um, various sex acts to minors who were arrested. And then they show the pictures of the, of the suspects. Um, I, I mention that because it's also about punishment. There is in Illinois, there is a brand new law that is being proposed. It's called um, it is called the Safety Act, S-A-F-E-T Act in Illinois. Residents in Illinois, most southern town told Fox News they were alarmed by the state's new law, which critics say will put more criminals on the street. I think it's stupid, said someone. I've worked for the system for 28 years. I think it's about the dumbest thing Illinois have come up with. So what's in this Safety Act? I want you to hear this is uh, uh, J.C. Navarrete with NBC Chicago. 
The bill, which takes effect on January 1st, has a lot of people divided. A key element of the bill is it eliminates cash bail, making Illinois the first state in the country to do so. Something critics say will lead to suspects being released. No guarantee they'll appear in court. Meaning that suspects will not have to put post uh, bail, that they will be released on their own recognizance, which means I promise to show up in court. Um, I had an interaction I've talked about quite a few times where I intervened in a shoplifting with two people that were shoplifting. And uh, they both kind of attacked me, but there was one guy, one of these punks in particular was coming at me pretty hard and uh, throwing liquor bottles at me and screaming and cursing and did attack me, did physically attack me. And I fended him off. I didn't have to beat him up. I just got him off of me. Um, but he was arrested for aggravated assault and shoplifting. And it had long, through a long process, um, he skipped. He just didn't show up. And they finally caught him for doing something else, had a warrant for his arrest. He went to jail. He sat in jail the second time until the trial much later on where he pled guilty to both charges. I have no idea what his sentence was. I left before sentencing. My point is you have people that are behaving badly, and now you're going to say whoever they are, no cash bail, meaning you are just going to trust they're going to show back up in court. It infuriates law enforcement and victims. And prosecutors. More things. What what other things will this piece of legislation do in Illinois? It will also focus on police training policies, police accountability, transparency in law enforcement, and the rights of detainees and prisoners. The bill will require body cameras on all officers by 2025, as well as a ban on all police chokeholds. So now we have, and, and, and you know, some of these things you may say are not bad ideas, pieces of legislation like this that are accountability for officers and no accountability for suspects. Do you understand what's happening here? They are increasing the accountability on officers and they're letting suspects go that are being arrested for crimes without any bail. It is absolutely mind-numbing that they're doing this. And so I, I say this with all due respect to everybody. We have to – we must be careful about who we elect to offices, whether it's the county attorney's office here and the policies they would put in place. But what about legislators and the state legislature and your local governments, our county board of supervisors, uh, the people at the city councils where we live? I happen to live in the city of Phoenix. Who are we electing to the city council? What kind of laws might they pass? Remember, we – our Phoenix – City Council decided that the right thing to do in the midst of a police officer shortage was spend a few million dollars creating an office of accountability and transparency called OAT. Now, I am all in favor of police transparency and accountability. Everybody is. Did we need this civilian only office? That's the question. Coming up in a moment, I am looking forward to the conversation. It will be my first conversation with Mark Victor. He's a libertarian candidate for U.S. Senate. He joins me next. You're listening to continuing Arizona votes coverage of the 2022 election with Mike Broomhead. Thanks for being here this morning. Appreciate you spending some time with the show. As always, want to recommend you go to KTAR.com slash Arizona Votes to be an informed voter. Uh, first time on the show joining us now is Libertarian candidate for United States Senate, Mark Victor. Mark, welcome to the show. Hey, Mike. Happy Wednesday. Thanks for having me. Let's talk a little bit about, let's, uh, in a broad brush sense, why is it in Arizona? And I've described Arizona as kind of a libertarian state where it's kind of a live and let live state. But why is it that libertarian ca- candidates seem to have a hard time getting a foothold when it comes to some of these big races? 
Well, I can tell you exactly the answer to that question. I get emails almost every day from people who say, hey, look, Mark, I love you. I love what you stand for. I wish you were the candidate, uh, the person who's elected to go to the Senate, but you're a third party. You can't win. I don't want to waste my vote. Therefore, I'll vote for the R or the D. In fact, I'm getting them from both sides. So really, it's a problem of the two-party system. I wish we had ranked choice voting or that people actually heard my message and understood what I was saying. I think if everybody knew everything about all three candidates, I would win in a landslide. So let's talk about some of the issues. I'd say the older I get, the more libertarian I get. As I'm sure you know, I'm a, I'm a, I am a Republican, but more, I'm li- more libertarian in my social views. More of it's none of my business kind of an attitude. And I think a lot of right. people feel that way, and I know that's the message you espouse. What would you say is the cornerstone? People would be surprised to know this about me. I think they'd vote for me if they knew this about my campaign. Well, I think that they need to understand how different I am than the other two. I mean, the R and the D both have ideas about how people should live that they are trying to impose on everybody through the law. I got ideas about how you should live, but I don't tell anybody about them because they don't matter. I'm not trying to do that. What I'm trying to say is let's take our own moral views, our ethical views, our views about how other people should live out of the law. The law should represent the minimum standard of conduct. I like to say, don't be an aggressor. Think about the rules you learned in kindergarten, right? Keep your hands to yourself. Don't take the other kids' toys. And I would add to that, don't put other people in danger. If you can refrain from doing those things, you should be left alone. And I'm not saying morality is not important. It is important. I'm pushing a moral principle that I say, be a good human, and we break that down. I'll explain it on my website if people want to check it out. Live and let live revolution.com. But all of that is outside of the law. We need to persuade people on how they should live, not coerce them through the law. And that's what's so different. That's why I'm saying we got to get to a spot where people who have different world views can actually live together in freedom and peace. So they're not hitting each other over the head, forcing other people how to live in ways they think are best. That's the long and short of the difference between me and both of the other two. Mark Victor is joining us. He is Libertarian candidate for United States Senate. Um, I, wa- I was I was intrigued watching the debate that you were a part of with the other two candidates and watching that you – there were times it seemed as if you disagreed vehemently with each, but there were times when you actually named them and said, I agree with them or they made a good point on this. Can you give us some areas of, of agreement possibly with either of the candidates where you say I think they're on the right track as well? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for pointing that out. I think it's very important that we return civility into our, not just our politics, but into our way of life. We've become uncivilized. We're calling people names. It's okay to disagree in agreeable ways. So to that point, look, most of the things that Blake Masters would say in the economic realm, right, lowering taxes, getting the government off your back, maybe cutting spending, although the Republicans hardly talk about that anymore, and reducing unnecessary regulations, I'm on exactly the same page, right? So much of at least what used to be the traditional Republican position, free market economics, that kind of thing, I'm on board with that. But as to the left side, and again, much of the left is splintered here too. I do not agree with the radical left on this point, but the traditional left, civil liberties, things like deciding what you get to put in your own body and what you don't get to put in your own 
body. That's your choice. How you use your body. That's your choice. Who you love. That's your choice. Those kinds of civil liberty issues, free speech, some criminal justice reform. We need to get rid of victimless crimes while we're still being tough on real victim crimes. I have a lot to say as a criminal defense lawyer, 28 years practicing in this state. I'm happy to talk about criminal justice reform. But many of those traditional civil liberties, free speech type issues, I'm with the left, the traditional left. I don't know what today's radical left, the woke left is for, so I can't really speak to that. But the traditional left, maybe more of a John F. Kennedy type of a left and a Ronald Reagan type of a right. The people left over, when you chop off the radical right and you chop off the radical left, that's the group of people I'm trying to reach. So would you say then you have a, an opportunity here because we have such a huge number of independent voters in Arizona? As a matter of fact, independent uh, registered voters are the number one demographic in Maricopa County. No question about that, and that's why I think I have a real shot here. I hope people don't think about wasting their vote in voting R or D. And because, I, look, I recognize this election is a big deal, but it's not going to answer our real problems. Like, we need a real revolution on how we think about politics, how we think about government, and really, this is bigger than our state. It's bigger than our country. It's about a global revolution. We have really serious problems. I'm thinking about the pro- proliferation of nukes. I'm thinking about artificial intelligence. I'm thinking about synthetic biology that we have got to deal with on a global scale. We have got to somehow unite the reasonable people of the world around a principle that I call the live and let live principle so we can get things done. We got real threats from around the world that we got to deal with. Look, we're on the brink of war right now, not just with Russia. We're fighting a proxy war with them right now. This is an untenable situation, but also anything could happen with China and Taiwan. We could wake up tomorrow morning and find ourselves at war with the Chinese over Taiwan. We have got to work much more energetically towards fermenting peace around the world. We put this problem with nukes on the back burner, and I think we forgot about it, but we we need to pay a lot more attention to this. We've got to work more energetically towards peace. Let me ask you one more question. You talked about civil liberties. Um, the big thing that's now being discussed here in Arizona are ballot drop box watchers, some of them in tactical gear, faces covered with bandanas, looking ominous. Where do you stand on the people that are doing this? What's your opinion, and do you think, if anything, should be done? Well, I think obviously there's a line there, right? I mean, people have a right to stand in an armed situation far enough away so they're not sort of affecting the election. But I don't want to get into a situation where somebody feels like, oh, they're, I don't like people with guns in the area, therefore I'm intimidated, therefore we got to move these people away. There's a very careful line here to draw, right? On the other hand, we certainly don't want people overstepping that bound and scaring people away and intimidating them. So there's an important line there, but from what I've seen, and of course this is anecdotal, right? The people who are there are far away, they seem to be peaceful, I say leave them alone. If they start interfering and start causing problems, then maybe they get arrested for a disorderly conduct and we go from there. But there's a careful line to draw there. It's exactly the same place where we need to draw a line between free speech and a disorderly conduct. There are some hard lines there. That's why we have courts and judges and case law. So we got to be very careful, and this is not a good place for bright line rules. All right, Mark, if people want to learn more about your campaign, is there a website or social media? How do they find you? 
Live and let live revolution dot com is my political website. And if they want to find out about the global peace movement that we call Live and Let Live, which is really the big project to change the world, live and let live dot org. Go there, join the movement, blast it around to your social media, be part of the solution. That's what I'm encouraging people to do. We got a really big project, bigger than this election. I don't want just your vote. I want your heart and your mind for a new way to approach politics and how we should interact with each other. Mark, it was an interesting conversation. I really do appreciate it, and I wish you the best of luck. Thanks for having me, brother. You too, and have a wonderful rest of the week. All right, that is Mark Victor. He is a candidate, libertarian candidate for United States Senate. Coming up in a moment, Elon Musk receives a demand letter from Twitter employees. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Values and strong opinions. The Mike Broomhead Show, KTAR News, 92.3 FM, and the KTAR News app. Hey, thanks for being here. A lot coming up on the show, but I thought this was interesting. We all know that the uh, the big news about Elon Musk purchasing Twitter and what this was going to do to free speech, for or against it, there are people that are concerned. And um, I, I love social media. I really do. I, you know, I don't take Twitter seriously because it's not a real place. Um, I, I do it more for entertainment value, but I do the exchange of ideas are fun when you weed through the people that have nothing good to say and nothing to offer other than insults, which is going to happen when you're anonymous, even if you're using your real name when you're sitting behind a screen we all call them keyboard warriors the people that are just vile i laugh at them too i don't take anything seriously on twitter but i do like the platform um and i'm at broomhead ktar if you're a twitter user you can follow me there personally and at broomhead show just update you about guests and things we do on the show but what i found interesting about this i I spoke last night i was at the arizona mining uh, conference down in tucson last night speaking to a group um and it was having a conversation about education and having a conversation about work and, you know, growing up the way I did and, and hard work was really all that there was. Uh, I learned my work ethic from my mother and um, it's I'm thankful for it. It's, it's It's been the best asset I've had in my life has been my work ethic. And um, I don't take a lot of days off. I try not to. I try to show up on time. I want to work harder than anyone else. I want the bosses to know they can rely on me. Uh, all that's important to me. We live in a day and age of entitlement, and that's our fault. If our kids are entitled, it's our fault that they got that way. But there is a level of entitlement that I don't understand, and I'm not even – I'm not casting insults here. I am genuinely saying I do not understand this. Um, but I also look at the bright side, and here is the bright side. If you're a young person that's getting ready to start your career or you're still young and you may change careers – I will tell you that the bar is relatively low with the need we have for workers. If you show up on time and you do what you're asked, you will grow in almost any world that's out there right now in any company in any industry. Show up on time and work hard. Understand you're earning your paycheck. And what happens is when you show yourself to be valuable – you're going to get raises. When I moved here, I'm, you know, I, I, I rode the wave of a good economy in the 80s. I started as an electrician, so I always had a job. I moved here in 1995, so I'm coming up on 28 years of living here in, uh, in, in Arizona. And um, 
I rode the wave here as well. I went to work for a company here in Arizona in, in February of 95. And in the first six months I worked there, I was given three raises I didn't even ask for. And I will tell you, I'm not saying that to brag. I, there is nothing spectacular about me. I was a good electrician, but I worked hard. I was honest. I showed up on time. They knew where I was. They could trust me. My paperwork was done. So I showed us a value. This is why I don't understand this entitlement. Twitter employees sign an open letter demanding that Elon Musk let them keep their jobs. Elon Musk is saying he's going to dramatically short, uh, reduce the staff because there's a lot of fat at Twitter and he owns the company. The employees demanded that they keep their job. They also demanded this. Here's the following demand to present and future leadership at Twitter. We demand respect. We demand leadership to respect the platform and the workers who maintain it by committing to preserving the current headcount, meaning you can't let us go. Safety. We demand that leadership does not discriminate against workers on the basis of their race, gender, disability, sexual orientation, or political beliefs. We also demand safety for workers on visas who will be forced to leave the country they work in if they're laid off. Protection. We demand Elon Musk explicitly commit to preserve our benefits, those both listed in the merger agreement and not, e.g. remote work. We demand leadership to establish and ensure fair severance policies for all workers before and after any change in ownership. And last but not least, they demand dignity. We demand transparent, prompt, and thoughtful communication around our working conditions. We demand to be treated with dignity and to not be treated as mere pawns in a game played by billionaires. Well, I would say don't let the door hit you and go start your own company and set those standards for yourself. It's a two-way street. Every single one of those issues is a two-way street. How about if Elon Musk says, I demand you work for your money. I demand you show me why you're an asset and a benefit to the company where I'm writing you a paycheck. The world we live in, show up. Work hard, and if your boss doesn't appreciate it, somebody else will. Coming up just after 10 o'clock, the continued legal fight over the ballot drop box washer, watchers. Should they be stopped legally? We'll talk about that in a moment.